Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 180. This is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, action, adventure, and me eating at my desk. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com senior editor Ben Morse. And what are you eating, Ryan? Uh, I was eating a hamburger and uh, French fries. From? Uh, Fritz and Meats, a local uh, food truck, quote-unquote. Do you think, now that we've mentioned them, they will be willing to sponsor our show? Gosh, I would love that. Let's look into it. Yeah. You get some free eats. Yeah. Uh, we get, uh, the reason I asked Ryan what he was eating rather than looking over is because I am Skyping in. This is one of our high-tech uh, remote podcasts. I am in New Jersey. Ryan is at Marvel headquarters. He is preparing to take flight and head off to the Middle East. I am. That's that sounds so great to say. I know, right? You're I... headed off to the Middle East, where he's going <laughs> to solve all the problems. Yeah, me in Dubai. It's just <laughs> going to be an adventure. I am in highly secretive Marvel meetings for the rest of the week, so this was a it's a nice quick. I, I, we didn't know if we were going to get a chance to record, but uh, we are being diligent. We read all the books and we got everything done, and we're going to get this out to you, our loyal listeners. Yeah, and we're recording on a Monday, so there will be fewer questions mm-hmm. and comments at the end of the episode. But rest assured, we'll have plenty right. more in two weeks when we get back to normal schedule, maybe if it's normal. I don't even know where I am in two weeks. I don't know where you are in two weeks. Uh, yeah, it's also less questions and comments because we switched it up. And uh, we bumped the Twim URC back a week, so it's right. even, even less, less questions and comments and even less news because it's only Monday. Yeah. Oh, so all the week- big yeah, go ahead. Two weeks I am in LA and Chicago all week. All right. So we'll figure something out, gang. Don't <laughs> you worry. We've yet to miss an episode and we're not going to start now. But uh yeah, we for all the big news stories that break Tuesday through Thursday of this week, we apologize. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be something huge. For sure. Without a doubt. There's probably something happening tomorrow that we can't talk about yet, just in case it doesn't happen. Yep. That's always the way. (sighs) You know what we can talk about? What's that, Ben? This week's comics. (gasps) You don't say. Starting with all-new Hawkeye number two, written by Jeff Lemire and art by Ramon Perez. Still the cool split uh, with Ramon Perez doing the flashbacks and his awesome watercolor, which... It's not just the style and the wa- the washes and everything. It's the way, it's the colors he chooses. It's, uh, you know, making the figures stand out from the backgrounds. You know, the backgrounds will be all blue. And I like, like, when they're Clinton, Barney's adoptive father comes into the screen, suddenly it's very red. And then they get saved and it gets, just the use of colors is cool. Yeah. Um, it's two stories still. It's flashback to when Clint and Barney ran away from home. Uh, the foster home they were in, and first discovered the circus. And you get the introduction in this issue of the swordsman into their lives. Swordsman was Hawkeye's mentor. He was the guy who first took him in and kind of... It's cool to see him portrayed in a very heroic light here uh, because he was always a very complex character who's introduced as a villain, much like Hawkeye was, but eventually would become an Avenger. A lot of stuff would happen with him, but you get to see him basically as Clint Barton's hero here. And I think that's going to maybe change the next couple issues and it's going to be uh, interesting to see. Meanwhile, in the present, a little more focus on Kate Bishop. They've broken into Hydra's base. They were looking for this weapon they have. It turns out to be these, these grossly mutated kids who have these insane mental powers. And here Ramon Perez is using more of a traditional style. And uh, he's he's got very simple line work that 
is really makes it even harsher. The really kind of grisly stuff these kids go through. Um, but it becomes a question of, you know, what do you do with these kids? They're clearly very dangerous. They're going through a bit of a moral dilemma here that Kate is facing because she's the only one they trust. Meanwhile, it's contrasting to in the past where Clinton Barney, essentially, they were lost kids who were rescued by the swordsman. Uh, it's a nice use of past and present juxtaposition by Jeff Lemire and just beautiful art accompaniment by Ramon Perez. Um, I like that you know, even though our other Hawkeye series is still ongoing for the moment, um, this is already a very different way of looking at the two Hawkeyes, both getting great stories, both getting a lot of depth, very nice way to spotlight our avenging archers. Totally. And uh, the kids that you had mentioned in this issue give me a very uh, Akira vibe. Ah, yes, very good. Not in, well, kind of in Akira himself, but in the kids that show up in Akira. And if you've seen the anime or read the manga, you know exactly what I'm talking about once you read this. And um, yeah, it was pretty intense. I've told you the story about I've never seen Akira, right? (sighs) No. No, because there's a story behind it, because I've always wanted to. It's like my white whale. And um, when I was in summer camp, I just, for some reason, had never seen it. I always wanted to. And I, I guess at the time, I was just like, oh, I don't know how it exists. And I, our uh, counselor in the the cabin I was in, he was like, oh, well, we're going to watch Akira tonight for our, for our movie night, which for those of you who have never been to summer camp, basically there's one room in the entire camp with a TV and you get a movie night. Um, went, got the VHS. I was so excited. And then I got tonsillitis like the day of. And uh, he, uh, he felt so bad because he knew I wanted to see Akira so bad. He offered to you know, carry the TV down to the infirmary where I had to stay and the nurse wouldn't let him. She thought it was like bad. And then I've just, I, I think since then I've just, uh, I felt like, well, well, that was my one chance. So I can <laughs> never, ever watch Akira. <laughs> I, I own it on Blu-ray. I can bring it I in. I have a Blu-ray player. See, fate is against me. What is, I actually also own it on DVD, I think. You, oh, if you give me the DVD, I'll watch it. Yeah, I should still have. They put out a crazy DVD a couple of years back. I really want to see it really badly. Yeah. Literally for like 20 years now. <laughs> it's great. And I have all the manga if you want to read them. So anyway. I, I, anyways, yes, we got a podcast here. Yeah. About comics. Uh, all right, so we've got uh, up next, Angela, Asgard's Assassin, number five. Uh, another book where we've got two stories in it. First one by Karen Gillan with art by Phil Jimenez. Lebo Underwood with Scott Hanna and Romulo Fajardo. Uh, yeah, thank you. And the substory, uh, which sort of comes into play at a very opportune time, uh, is by Marguerite Bennett and Karen Gillan with art by Stephanie Hans. And so we just dive right in with um with angela and who's the lady with her sarah sarah thank you you ask that every time i know i'm really bad with um with like the asgardian-ish names sometimes um anyway so angela in her new you know get up with the awesome hairstyle i freaking love the way she like mohawk thing it's really it really sets her apart it makes her look like she's like out of a joan jett video or something yes oh she's so it's probably not the first thing most people think (laughs) um so it's the two of them hanging out with the guardians of the galaxy they've got to go to heaven where the other angels live uh and they need to take care of angela's sister who is Thor's or the Odinson sister, who is daughter of Freya and Odin, uh, but has a terrifying secret, uh, mm. uh, which you know comes into play in a big time here. Uh, but 
the Guardians, you know, I help them get in there. There's a lot of fun banter and back and forth. Um, all the while, the Asgardians are also heading to heaven because they think that the angels, uh, that Angela is still working with the angels and that they've taken the child to heaven. So everybody's going for a crash course right to heaven. Uh, we get to see some more of the inner workings of the realm, which is always super cool. Uh, there's this great two-page spread by Phil and company where it's uh, Freya with Odin and the Odin son and uh, the Warriors 3 and like the the goats and <laughs> lightning and you love the goats love the goats man oh man so good and everybody's coming in to you know find the child big throwdown between the Odin son and uh, Angela where we get to see uh, a very big turning point in their relationship uh, I will say that for someone who's you know, he comes off as like pretty like oh, I'm a muscle guy, blah blah blah. But he's actually a pretty clever dude, Thor. Who Odinson? Yeah, Odinson. for sure. Absolutely. Uh, very clever dude, but also trusts way too easily for my taste. Like maybe just because he knows like, hey, I'm gonna live for millions of years, whatever. I'm gonna live forever. Let's trust <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Uh but we get to a really crazy scene right at the end, uh and it's it's terrific. Uh Worth noting that this being a Kieran Gillen written book and Kieran loving music as much as he does, his attempts to have uh, to speak through Peter Quill and making every reference to any like 80s song using the word angels or heaven is admirable. So good. I loved it. All right. On to Ant-Man number four, written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon Rosanas and Jordan Bird. And uh, so, you know, we start off with... Uh, Mr. Cross, the younger, Augustine Cross, uh, trying to help get his father, Darren Cross, resurrected. Uh, And Darren Cross uh, is just this big, giant, nearly naked pink dude. He's like a pink Hulk. Yeah, kind of like a pink Hulk. Mm -hmm. uh, In a stasis tube. And uh, he has this um, surgeon ready to, like, he's basically got a gun to her head saying... Yeah, Dr. Erica Sondheim. Thank you. Classic Ant-Man supporting cast character. Everybody knows her. Yep. Um, and she's to replace uh, the Elder Cross's heart with a young person's heart, a very special heart. Uh, and if you've been reading the book, you can guess who that's going to be. And uh, that does sort of play into what I've been you know, thinking about when mm-hmm, reading the mm-hmm. book and, and what's We've going discussed on. discussed it too. Yeah. Yep. With one of the characters. All that's going on and Scott Lang is freaking the hell out because his daughter's been kidnapped. Uh, he's hanging out with Grizzly, his employee, who is <laughs> just the best. Grizzly's awesome. He's so like, oh, you want me to go get her for you, boss? Yeah. yeah. Like, he's I just... I, I like this reformed Grizzly. You know, I feel like uh, he's a villain. Eventually he could turn, but I don't want him to. I don't know, man. I don't feel that way. I, I trust Grizzly. No, I just I, call I, me Odin's son, <laughs> but I trust this Grizzly character. <laughs> I certainly want him to stay the right course here. Yeah. Um, but we are then introduced to, like, his story, his life a little bit, and brought in another character. Yeah, so, I got really excited on your behalf here because I know how much you love Grizzly, and I was like, oh, they're building up. Ant-Man's building up his team, yep. which is like the best team ever. <laughs> oh, it's so great. So terrific. Uh, it, there's just such like a perfect attitude to this book. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, even Augustine Cross is such a fun character. He's a total D-bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
he's kind of doing what he's doing, you would think, for love for his father. But he's still a total scummy dude. Um, all this is sort of like coming together. Ant-Man is going to try and save the day using his new employees. Uh, and we also have, who is this? Crackshot? Crossshot? Oh, shot, uh, Crossfire. Shot. Crossfire. Crossfire. Yeah, you've been caught in the, yeah, totally good. Uh, so Crossfire is involved, and he's he's, he's kind also of... a cross. Uh, I I thought he was Darren Cross, but I was wrong. No, he is uh, the uncle. I guess he's Darren Cross's brother. Uncle Cross. Yeah. Uh, so oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I just put that together. His name is Crossfire, and his last name is Cross. Yeah, dude. Oh man. Wow. Uh, so anyway, they infiltrate um, where. Uh, you know, where everything needs to go down. I'm trying to be vague here because, you know, yep. there's some cool stuff happening. Uh, everywhere everything needs to go down. And in pure Scott Lang Ant-Man fashion, everything starts to go wrong by the end of the issue. And it's terrific. It's really, really funny. There's great heart to it. I love what they're doing with all the characters. So I'm really digging what, what, uh, what's going on. Ant-Man really is the uh, the other side of the coin from Superior Foes in that there's such a similar vibe, but the problem, like, not the problem, but at the end of the day with Superior Foes, you're still like, well, I mean, Boomerang's still terrible. I can't really, you feel bad for falling in love with him, where he's Ant-Man, he, he's like, he's the Boomerang it's okay to love. Yeah. He's got a very similar kind of like lovable loser mentality, but he's also a really good dude at the end of the day. And yeah. so are his, his buddies, I think. At least yeah. Grizzly is. Me some grizzly. All right, I had the next book you have next on the list, but I think adhering to our strict alphabetical code, I should go next. Um, I screwed this up. What are we doing? All right, so like I always say, I do like the colon before I like. All right, the next two books are Avengers colon Millennium and Avengers World. Right. By both tokens, Avengers Millennium should be first, but on the on the list, I put Avengers World first, and Mm. I apologize because I I screwed up. This happens. So I'm going to talk about Avengers Millennium number two, which is written by Mike Costa, art by Carmine DGN Domenico, one of our favorites, with layouts by Mastin Jaffo, because this is the print version of the Avengers Infinite comic. It's the Avengers against Hydra. As we noted last time, it's basically the Marvel Cinematic Universe Avengers minus Thor plus Spider-Man. Uh, for whatever reason, it works. It's okay. I don't mind because Mike Costa writes a great Spider-Man and Hawkeye banter dynamic. Uh, the Avengers have uncovered a Hydra base. They need to figure out what Hydra's up to and stop them. Whatever Hydra's up to, they're using a time machine to do it. So the Avengers step through time. They're going to split into two teams and go to these two spots. But the problem is the time machine, for whatever reason, something's a little off. So the teams get swapped and they get split in three. The bulk of this issue focuses on Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Captain America back in, like, prehistoric times. They actually give the period, but I'm not going to try to remember what it is. Um, and they're fighting dinosaurs. They're dealing with cavemen. They're dealing with Hydra. Meanwhile, uh, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Black Widow have been taken to another area of the past. Looks closer to World War II time. Um, and then Scarlet Witch and then Hulk, Bruce Banner... They're the ones who get sent a little off course because they're now in the future. Uh, it's all interesting. Really, the cool stuff here is the character banter, which, again, Mike Costa does really well. Carmine DG and Domenico draws the heck out of all of this, the fight scenes with the cavemen and all this other stuff. But the dilemma here, and it's, I mean, I really felt it here because I was like, it's funny. 
we read these comics every week where everyone's in like life-threatening ridiculous danger like there's <laughs> at least two comics this week where literally an earth is about to crash into another one but the idea and mike costa conveys it really well that Hawkeye, Cap, and Quicksilver are potentially stuck in the past with no way to get home. For some reason, that, like, really got to me. I was like, oh, my God, that would be terrible. Like, if I was separated from everything I know and all the people I love and just know that I'm going to live out the rest of my days here. So, for whatever reason, that really tugged at me. So, kudos to Mike Costa for uh, for getting at me there. Also, think of, like, in any of these situations, you're, like, stuck with people you probably... Like, if you're a Hawkeye, do you really want to be stuck with Quicksilver? Cap might be okay. Yeah. And if you're Quicksilver... I don't think anyone wants to be stuck with Quicksilver. Right. But And Quicksilver certainly doesn't want to be stuck with Hawkeye or Cap. He doesn't good want to point. be stuck with anyone except his sister. And, yep. hey, Creepy. Whatever. Whatever. It's all good. I mean, or maybe, like, Crystal, which is even worse. <laughs> Quicksilver just, does, makes, just makes questionable choices. <laughs> but, yeah, man, Avengers Millennium really, uh, really hit me in the heart. I just read it. I just read it this morning over my uh, my morning pasta, your which is morning. what I had for breakfast. Hey man, I respect your life choices and I support them. Absolutely, yeah, it's good for you. Yep, gluten free right. pasta, no less. Ooh. Quinoa. Ooh, I love a good quinoa. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Up next, we've got Avengers World number nineteen. This is written by Frank Barbieri, uh, art by Marco Cacchetto, and colors by Andres Mosa, and um, this is this is great because this is one of those before times run time runs out stories filling in some gaps of what various characters were doing as we've been leading up to all the the secret wars and time runs out stuff and particularly following Roberto da Costa Sunspot as he's doing his takeover of AIM uh, and the end of that last issue he um, almost got himself and his board of directors killed you know mm-hmm. as you do when you're trying to take over AIM. Uh, but he's a smart cookie and uh, realizes he's got to take the fight to aim. Uh, so he goes, he grabs his best boy, Hyperion, who is hanging out with the zebra dudes. And I just, I would, I hope we get to see more of the zebra kids, you know, yeah. at some point, just because I think they're neat and they're, they could evolve to something really, really important and fun. Um, all that's going on, Roberto takes the fight to AIM and goes one-on-one against, what is his name, Dr. Forson, right? Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Andrew Forson. Yeah, Andy Forson. And, uh, old Andy. Good old Andy. And it's terrific. It's really, it's such a great fight, and you, it makes sense the way it all goes down and what happens there. Um, and it's, you know, it's a great piece of the puzzle, just a really solid issue of Avengers. Which... Yeah, Barbieri and Chichetto have come together as a really, really solid creative team over the last few months. Um, I really enjoy their Avengers world work, and I know that this book, uh, time is running out on it, but I hope we get to see more from this duo, either separately or together in the future. Totes. Yeah. Jumping over to Bucky Barnes, The Winter Soldier, number seven, written by Alsh Cott, art by Langdon Foss, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, candid with you guys. Uh, it took me a little while to understand this issue because Alsh Cott is working on a level that is somewhat above me. Um, <laughs> he is much smarter than I am. Uh, it took me a few. I, I, I went back and read because I really did want to understand it. Um you know, he's been weaving this crazy multiversal across different times story of 
multiple Winter Soldiers, versions of Bucky Barnes, trying to protect the universe. There's this mysterious Crossbones involved. And it took me a bit to understand that this issue was the origin of Crossbones. Same Did you here. get that right away? Oh, okay. gosh, no. Okay, so it took me a little bit. Um, so I'm not going to go page by page here because it's, it's, once you actually get it, it's kind of cool to understand that you're reading the origin of Crossbones, who I will spoil is not the Crossbones we know uh, and, and love. I, I um, will say that it was the reveal being what it was, was such a bigger emotional and important like hit yeah. than it had any right to be. I think that he just knocked it out with that one. Absolutely. I reading it through the first time and not really understanding it. I was kind of just like, okay, I don't know why it is happening. Going back and rereading it, understanding what the comic was about. It's pretty intense. It packs a pretty hard punch and Langdon Foss, who's been doing these uh, future sequences is really the perfect choice here. He's got a very simple style, like very, almost like uh, very round images very um, not typical superhero art, more cartoony, and it makes the emotional punches here mean a lot more. Uh, by the end of the issue, you'll understand who Crossbones is, how he is related to Bucky, how he is related to other characters who imp are important to this series, and now I think the next few stories we get, now that we kind of know all the players and we know the situation a little better, are going to really crystallize a lot better. Yeah, that last page, man. It's Oof. tough. Read that on the subway this morning. I was like, gosh. Did you cry on the subway? I mean, no. Again? Because I don't cry on the subway. The subway? I don't cry ever. I'm, ever. You know, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, um, no, of course. Yeah. All right, up, up next we've got Captain Marvel, number 14, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by David Lopez, with colors by Lee Lowridge. And uh, boom, right out the gate with this one, uh, we've got Captain Marvel just trying to escape not just the Slaughter Lords, not just Mr. Knife, but all of them plus a cosmic souped-up Thane. Yeah, She's... and I like that Kelly Sue just writes it as Cosmic Thane. Yeah. Like that's his name. She, she uses Cosmic Gamora, Cosmic uh -huh. Beast, Cosmic Angel, and I think 100% works. Um, she is trying to get away because she's got the Black Vortex, and she's rolling off deep into space, and... As awesome as Captain Marvel is, she does get shot down by these Jokers because they are souped up, evil, messed up, terrible people. Mm -hmm. And uh, that said, she does make some cool slick moves in here as well she should because she's friggin' Captain Marvel. And she is tempted by the Black Vortex. There's a couple pages in here where she's face-to-face -face with what the black vortex could do for her uh sort of how that plays into who she is and what she's been doing over the last you know how 14 issues of this book and you know it's it was really great it was it was awesome to see and then um uh mr knife makes his move and there's just this moment where carol powers up and she just Oh, she looks so badass. She's so terrific. Yeah, she looks great. Yeah. Uh, all that's going on, and Thane is still, one, he's very disturbed. He's cosmic. He's super-powered, even more so than before. But he's also being worm-tongued in his cosmic form, which does not bode well for the universe. Um, yeah. That... I hope Thane continues to have a prominent role 
in the Marvel Universe post-Black Vortex because you really didn't see him much in between Infinity and Black Vortex, which is fair. It wasn't that long, but I he's fascinating to me. Yeah, totally. And then we get the um, the return, uh, this character who's been in, in and out of Black Vortex, Gara, who is yeah. part of the sole survivor of the Viscardi. Weird uh, name. Yeah, weird name. Where did that even come weird. from? Huh. Is that Italian? Ugh, I don't know. Probably Tennessean. Yeah. Now? Um, now. Yeah. Uh, so Gara comes in. There's this great couple moments with Thane and Captain Marvel. Uh, and I just, I love what Cap says to Gara before the end of the issue. As, Pretty great. It's terrific. And I think that's the end of Captain Marvel in Black Vortex as far as yeah. the main book. But there's still some more Vortex to go. Oh, my God. Black Vortex is just the gift that keeps on giving, right? So good. All right, I got to make a quick aside here that I am on the top floor of my house staring out at my front lawn, and there is this, like, plastic cup right in the middle of it. In your and, lawn? Yeah, like someone just dumped – either it dumped on – or it's been very windy over the weekend, so it probably blew out of someone's trash onto my lawn. Um, it's, like, shining up at me. Uh, my wife is currently out on an errand, but she's going to drive in at any point, and I – like, if she doesn't pick that cup up, and bring it in, it might drive me insane. So, <laughs> listeners, I'm going to keep you posted on what happens here. It's like, it's the only thing on my lawn, and it's driving me crazy from up here. I'm like, I, I don't know. Whatever. I need to talk about comics to move on. But what if so, some wayward youths dropped it there and are waiting for you to come out of your house to get it? Well, here's the thing, is I live right around the corner from a high school, So and, and people, and a, a high school and a junior high, and I'm watching, I have seen several groups of youths walk in front of my house uh just in the course of us doing this podcast so it's totally possible that someone littered that there um but i'm i I mean i'm not gonna interrupt the podcast to go clean it even though it's it's you know like literally making my head spin no it's not literally making my head spin (laughs) figuratively making my head spin um We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this, this situation as it develops. As it develops. Uh, Darth Vader, number four, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador La Roca, art, uh, color art by Edgar Delgado. We got Vader and his new badass crew of Dr. Afra and Triple Zero, and uh, I forget what the evil R2's name is. BT. BT. They have landed on the planet of Geonosis, which, as all Star Wars fans like myself know, was where uh, Anakin and Padma had their little, like, honeymoon or something. Uh, And definitely not the planet where the Clone Wars ended and where he turned into Darth Vader. Um, (laughs) That would be absurd. It would be. Who would say such a thing? So (laughs) they're on this planet. And the reason they're here is because Darth Vader wants an army. And Aphra says, I know where there's an army, an army of droids. They go into the caverns of this planet, and this is just uh, Salvador gets to do some great art here with this weird, monstrous alien creature who has basically restored a bunch of these droids and given them some level of sentience, and she regards them as her children. And Darth Vader says, well, I want your children to be in my army. It's really brutal because it's like, from appearances sake, she's this grizzly looking monster but on the other hand it's like well these are just her kids and darth vader is you know the villain by any extension these droids uh he's got with him are great because uh karen gillen deserves all the praise for coming up with evil c-3po he is delightful just taking that kind of like nasally uh entitled voice and making it just this 
eerie, I don't even, the, the, the word's escaping me right now, but just using kind of his dry uh, humor in the most cruel way. And then just the way BT just like unloads his arsenal on people. And then Afro's a great character as well uh, in terms of how self-aware she proves to be. Uh, that she realizes after they've they've done the business with the droid army, she basically has a talk with Vader and goes like, look, I know you're going to kill me at some point because you just use people until they're of use to you. Uh, here's how I'd like to die. Um, I'm at peace with it. I want it to be part of a bigger story. And his response is very interesting. They're clearly going to have a uh, fascinating dynamic moving forward. But Darth Vader's an awesome character. No shocker there. This story is very intense. Salvador LaRocco's art is great, but really the coolest thing to me is these new characters that Karen has created and added to the Star Wars universe. Do we say Star Wars universe? Is there another term? Uh, I don't think so. I think that sounds right. about right. We're going to say that for now. Star Wars Galaxy, I guess? Because <laughs> uh, they use Galaxy a lot. Maybe. Anyways, I, that's that's my that's my favorite part of Darth Vader right now. In addition to all the other great stuff, is just these awesome new characters who you know I'm I as a fledgling I you know I, as we know I've seen all the Star Wars movies I know all about planets like Geonosis, um, but you know not being full fledged Star Wars fanatic, getting to know these characters at the same time everyone else is very cool for me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you, you're still smart and over. Uh, i'm just you know alex hurts that kid what did he what did he do now no nothing oh all right yeah well we'll talk about that later okay so we come up on deadpool number 250 which is a gigantic piece of comic book um it's huge it's like 800 pages long it uh you could do like bicep curls with it and eventually get big um the amount of names of people who worked on it on the front take up like a quarter of the cover potentially, although they're scrunched up really, really so. It's uh, it's issue number 250, although it's technically issue number 45, and it is the final issue of this volume. It is bookended by two stories written by the regular writers, Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan. The first one by Mike Hawthorne, who's been doing the art since I think like the 20s of this volume. He's so good. So good. And then the uh, the story at the end is done by Scott Coblish, who did all of the flashback stories throughout this entire run. So it's a really cool celebration of this run. Um, the first story ties up everything that's been going on with Deadpool, not just in the last few issues, but really the whole uh, the whole series. And it's you know his ongoing rivalry with Ultimatum and the new Flag Smasher, which has been had its roots like way back in the first or second arc. They launch an all-out assault on Deadpool's loved ones, meaning they go after his friends and family who prove fairly able to take care of themselves in some pretty cool ways and really speaks to the strength of this supporting cast that Jerry and Brian have basically, you know, created from scratch for this volume because these are mostly all new characters. Uh, So while Deadpool's loved ones do get away, Deadpool is not having this. He has been having a rough go of it lately, ever since uh, Axis and Zenpool and all that. He's really been searching for his purpose of who he is. And he said, you know what my purpose is going to be? I am going to beat the crap out of Ultimatum. I am going to destroy them. He launches an ambitious plan to just destroy every bit of this. And this is what we've been talking about, this whole volume of Deadpool, the combination of humor with horror. And it's like funny stuff like Deadpool going after these like retirees 
um, who for some reason I guess work for Ultimatum. He's like old ladies. Well, there, then, there's a moment there where he's not sure if that's what he's seeing or if that's what yeah. he's like um, imagining in his head. And like, yeah, I thought that was it, it could be construed construed as funny, but I thought it was also like what Jerry and Brian are doing have done so well is like make it really like like serious and intense while still having that layer of humor around it. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. The little like graphic violence that's going on. Well, he's both, you know, saying goofy, funny stuff out loud, but then his narration is just this great introspective. So yeah, it's just like the mix of ultra violence, particularly during the ultimatum scenes where Deadpool is just, you know, Mike Hawthorne is depicting these horrific things of, you know, people's heads flying off and, you know, all this blood and all this fire and Deadpool just being really draws him as a badass. But you have Deadpool kind of doing the banter in terms of his dialogue, but the internal monologue he's got going on, the narration is really in the introspective of all of the stuff he's been through over the past three years, our time, however long his time since this series of Deadpool started and, you know, talking about, you know, the, the daughter he now we know he has, he's married, he's got all these friends, he's got all these responsibilities, and it's been a journey of self-exploration for him. And the way the issue ends, I'm not going to spoil, uh, but it's crazy. It's, it's very trippy. It's one of those things you're wondering, like, is this really going on? Is, uh, is this another imaginary thing? And then the ending is horrific. Uh, oh, uh, my gosh. And what a way for this creative team to go out. Uh, but they do have another story, which is Deadpool roasting the Marvel Universe. And just as that was like this, I, I, I think it, both stories very well sum up this series because that kind of summed up what they've been doing in the regular issues, that mix of horrific and hilarious that we've always talked about. This is the perfect culmination of these crazy gimmicky flashback issues, which are just kind of like stream of consciousness, jokes, jokes, jokes. In this one, it's set in 1991. Deadpool steals the Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos during the Infinity Gauntlet and uses its power to put on a roast for himself. And every Marvel character you can think of is there, supporting characters, new characters, and just man, the, just, just the jokes in here. I, I could probably spend the next half hour going like joke by joke, but oh, everything's great. Howard the Duck's the MC. He's hilarious. There's stuff with Nightcrawler, with Thor, with Spider-Man, with Wolverine, especially uh, with <laughs> Hulk, with Red Skull. Everyone gets nailed here. I can't do it justice. Scott Cobbler draws a hell of it. Oh, my God. Megan, my wife, just picked up the cup. She's bringing it inside. This is great. I can finally focus and move on. Cupcake uh, 2015 is now over. It's, it's all over. So Deadpool... It's just this hilarious story, but then still it culminates with kind of a flash forward to everything that's happened in the series and basically a why he would want to laugh, forget everything, and then still ends in funny fashion with a long letters page, which is actually something uh, I know we helped with, which is just everyone who used the hashtag RIP Deadpool uh, to check in. And then in between all that, as if that's not enough, we've got a ton of short stories by basically jerry and brian's comedian pals so you've got mike drucker writing a shikla story with art by jj kirby and now you've mike got... drucker writes for the tonight show for fallon yeah you can you can kind of go I, ahead introduce I, these as i go i know everyone but one person and i will get to that All right, I, will, I will google that okay you could you do it so then uh agent preston and her family 
there's a story by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti of Deadpool Biannual fame. Of course, Paul Shear is on The League and a bunch of other stuff. That's drawn by Ty Templeton. Uh, Evan gets a story by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who did Thunderbolts. And I know they're on uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour. Yep. Art there is by Natalie Nregat. Uh, Scott Adsit, Agent Adsit, gets his own story written by Scott Ackerman. Who I don't know where he's from. He does comedy he's bang bang on bang AFC, bang. which is uh, he also has the comedy bang bang podcast. He's terrific. We've had him on the show before. I think I was Blake... there. No, you weren't. Blake and I did a, an episode yeah. with him. He's great. Makes sense. Art by Mirko Kolak on that. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, probably my favorite story, written by Jason Manzukis, also from the league. Art by our boy Todd Knock. Yeah, Jason Paul... Manzukis uh, and Paul Shear are also uh, two of the co-hosts for How Did This Get Made? Oh, yeah, a podcast that I have talked about on this show many times. Just, just the talent in this issue. And then finally, Michael the Necromancer. Uh, in a story by, is Matt Selman the one you didn't know? Yeah, and you know what? He's an executive producer of The Simpsons. Holy crap. Art by Jacob, Jacob Chabot, who is awesome. That's a great story because it's uh, Michael the Necromancer getting to meet a girlfriend's parents. All these stories are great. I do not want to spend time talking about all of them because this would literally just be an hour of Deadpool. But what a way for Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn, who I think came on Deadpool in 2012, and everyone's like, eh, it's comedians doing Deadpool. It's kind of a gimmick and have just delivered this incredible run that has really fully realized the character once again. It feels like every few years someone comes along and just totally adds a new dimension to them. Um, and I just salute the work they've done. Uh, they're great guys. They did incredible work. And uh, this, these 45 issues are really something to be, to be proud of. And they went out great because this final issue is uh, one of the best yet. Yeah, I, this is probably my favorite run of Deadpool and I'm both delighted that we had it and sad to see it end. But I think, wow, just wow is all I can say about that finale. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Onward. We go to guardians 3000 number seven. Uh, this story is bananas. This <laughs> yeah. is crazy town and I love it. Uh, you've got, Multiple teams of Guardians of the Galaxy from multiple eras coming together to fight uh, what they believe to be a major threat that one of the crews of Guardians of the Galaxy brought to our era. You've got, you know, Gamora fighting side by side with Vance Astro, who doesn't remember fighting side by side with these Guardians. Yeah, Abnet gets to do a little kind of celebration of his and uh, Andy Lane's run, which was nice. Yeah. You that was get, cool. Um... Who's the silver dude? Martin X? Right? Martin X. Martin X and Captain Marvel hanging out. You get uh, m multiple Star-Lords, which mm -hmm. is always a blast. You get uh, a lot of mysteries here because some of the characters are uh, anomalies and some really weird stuff. And basically you find out the big threat that they're all converging on uh, show is revealed, and it's a whopper. It's a yeah. big one and a, a story that we'll definitely have to touch. You know, the origins of this story will have to be something that we touch on in a future Twim URC somewhere down the line. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. It's a great story. And that's, that's going to have uh, consequences, believe it or not, in Secret Wars. Dun, dun, dun. That carries over. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, speaking of the Guardians, in case you haven't gotten enough of them this week, this, this, they've already showed up twice. They don't have a book out this week. Um, but in case you couldn't tell, they're pretty successful and popular characters right now. And they also guest star in Howard the Duck, number two, 
written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Joe Canones, inks by Joe Rivera, colors by Rico Renzi. Uh, this, again, totally different. I love that we have books like Ant-Man. We have books like Deadpool. We have books like uh, Captain Marvel and Howard the Duck. I just named four books that have like, nothing to do with each other, but are all just so wacky and fun and great and superhero-y. This one, uh, Howard and Rocket Raccoon are trapped in the clutches of the Collector. Nice little throwback to the Guardians movie. Uh, Howard is just being just 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 the, the most logical character. Just like, you know, we need to get out of the situation. Here's how we do it. Rocket has this ridiculous plan. He has literally, uh, he's, he's shaved out of his fur a map on how they can get out. And he uses acid spit and all this other stuff. And Howard's just a perfect straight duck to him. Just saying, like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? This is ridiculous. The Guardians show up. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, getting to see him write the Guardians is a delight. Um, the jokes he makes with Star-Lord, with Groot, with Rocket, um, this little cutaway to where the Collector is is hilarious. Canonis' art is great. It's, it's, it's a perfect setting for him. Because doing this set in the collector's lair gives him a chance to draw all these weird exotic creatures, which he excels at. Uh, and in the midst of all this craziness and humor, there's this level of pathos, too, as well. Because there are all these people, these creatures stranded on the collector's world. And as the Guardians just kind of going under this caper, which is, you know, get them and Howard and the thing they came for out. Howard is freaking out about, like, well, we can't just leave all those creatures behind. And it carries over. And Rocket... Uh, it says to me, he's like, dude, you got you got some darkness, some pain you got to deal with. Uh, and then the last page has a Marvel character with a gun that you never <laughs> thought you'd see back on Earth. So there you go. And then there's a backup story uh, with art by Rob Guillory. It says it's written by Chip, but then on the letters page, uh, there's a thank you to Joe Rivera. So I'm going to say there might be a typo there, and maybe Joe Rivera wrote this story. Uh, but it's a court case of... The Heroes for Hire, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist suing Howard the Duck for using their intellectual property. Howard has a lawyer who is trying to convince everyone he's Spider-Man because Matt Murdock has come out publicly as Daredevil, and it's been very successful for him. And then the record attacks, and this book is great. So good. Oh, man. I love it. All right. Up to Hulk, number 14, uh, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mark Bagley, and uh, Drew Hennessy, and Jason Keith. And uh, this is the big throwdown between Red Hulk and Doc Green for all the marbles, while at the same time, Deadpool is right in the middle of things, uh, shooting sniper bullets off and getting himself cut in half and yelling at vultures. Like, there's this great interlude in the middle of the issue as Deadpool's doing something for... And, of course, getting the classic line that, you know, Jerry Duggan had to be the one to write it of saying, no, I can't die here. I have to die in my own book. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Really, really great. Uh, But the throwdown between the two Hulks is tremendous. It's like... Red Hulk is bleeding his weird, like, fire, lava, red blood, and Doc Green is bleeding green blood, and they're just beating the ever-loving crap out of each other. Uh, And it seems like we find, by the end of this issue, who is stronger, and um, it might be a surprise. Might not be who you think. No. You like that? Yeah, no, it was very good. Sorry, I I, I should have lingered on it longer. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Uh. All right, 
Moving on uh, to something new, we have James Patterson's Max Ride First Flight. Now, of course, you guys know we've adapted works from the likes of Stephen King and others in the past. Uh, of course, we've got George Romero doing his uh, Empire of the Dead right now. James Patterson, very successful young adult fiction writer. This is based on his work. It is written by Marguerite Bennett with art by Alex Sanchez and follows Maximum, who is a young lady who has basically been experimented upon. She's a teenager uh, who's been experimented upon. We don't get the full background there. We get snippets here. Uh, I think you get the full story in Maximum Ride, which is a novel that James wrote. But we get to meet her. We get to meet her surrogate family, who have also escaped from this lab. And we get to see each of them, a sense of their powers, a sense of their personalities. They really are kind of like, you know, like a superhero team. They remind me a little bit of The Runaways. Um, they have each other to look out for each other. And that's kind of the theme of this book is family, the family that you get thrust into, the family that you make, and also werewolves coming after them and trying to retrieve them, break them back to this facility that they are clearly terrified of. It's pretty cool designs by Alex Sanchez, uh, some really good dynamics. They each have their own, they all have wings, but they all have their own unique powers as well. So it's cool. This is a new chance to explore another world not within the Marvel Universe, but similar to what you might expect from a book like Runaways, like Young Avengers, a very similar dynamic. So if you guys are into that sort of thing uh, and you see this and don't know what it is, give it a shot. It's uh, by some really talented creators. It's got some good base material, and I think you might just enjoy it. Yeah. Do you um, – in New York City, we have a station called New York One where mm-hmm. um, it's you know news all the time, blah, blah, blah. But we I watch it every morning, and – often you'll get a commercial for a James Patterson book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he advertises on that uh pretty heavily. Hold on one second, Ben. We've got something happening right now. Oh no, what's up? Uh did did we just bring someone else into the show? I didn't bring anyone else in, into the show, but I I certainly see someone requesting to be let in. I see it's an that, 818 number. That would be assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. Oh my god, the Wolfman himself? The the one and only. Wow, what a treat in this section of the podcast. Oh, no. What section of the podcast are you in? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a rare and unexpected treat. Uh, we're still talking about comics. Oh, boy. I thought this was the uh, Big Trouble in Little China section of the podcast. No, no. That's way later. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll just call back. <laughs> well, you can listen to me talk about James Patterson because he does these commercials, and I don't know if you have them, Ben, and you, I don't know if you have them. Uh, we, I mean, we have New York one in yours and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, so maybe you've seen it. He, yeah. he does these great commercials where it's him talking about whatever book he's just written, and he's just – there's one for like – he has like a book with superheroes where he's dressed up as a superhero. There's ones where he's just you know talking. He's like, I got one book for you, and I got one book for your kids, and just read them all. Dude writes like a billion books. It's terrific. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, we did that video with him uh, for New York Comic Con, and he was pretty. He was hilarious. Yeah, he's clear, he's clearly got a got got some charisma there. So yeah. glad he's bringing his world into ours. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like Patrick coming on our part of the show. Yep, that's exactly. It. I th- I thought James Patterson wrote more like true crime novels. Is that incorrect? I think he writes a lot of. He yeah. he really does Good. write a ton of stuff. Oh really? Yeah. I, I guess it seemed just kind of out of character that he, if he was writing true crime novels, he'd be like, "I've got a book for you about murder. I've got a book for you about murder." <laughs> well, I mean, everybody can read a book about murder. 
of course. Did, yeah, I'm there's just, no restrictions. I would imagine the young uh, Hardy Boys or whatever mischief makers they were, <laughs> they dealt with murder at some point. Matt and Jeff? Yeah. Matt and Jeff Hardy? Yeah. yeah. You know the ones. Well, yeah. great if, if the Hardy Boys mysteries were like Matt and Jeff Hardy, like it was based <laughs> on their formative lives, just like, you know, going around North Carolina solving crimes. Yep. In my mind, they were. It works for me. Yeah. Uh, talking about something that Patrick loves, we also this week have Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Season 2, Number 6, which adapts some of his beloved Marvel Universe uh, animated series. It's written by Joe Caramagna. I don't have it in front of me. I so do. I don't know what I- oh, you do? What episode is it? It's uh, The Age of Tony Stark. Original. Oh, yes. I remember the age of Tony Stark. That was uh, from, I think, a few weeks ago at least. Wow. We turned it around pretty quick. Yeah. it's. Uh, it, I believe – I mean, I don't know how true it stays to the uh, episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble, but the time stone gets lodged in Tony's arc reactor, and he uh, just gets younger and younger and younger and opens rifts in time to bring, like, dinosaurs and stuff. You got does, it, hundred percent. Does he become Teen Tony Stark, like from The Crossing? Yeah, I think he goes down all the way to like eight years old. That's awesome. He's got uh, rocket-powered roller skates up in this one, so best believe it. If ever he, there was a character I never thought would make it to animation, uh, it was Teenage Tony Stark. <laughs> so the dream is alive. You did it. You did it. You nice did job, it. Patrick. Thanks, guys. I'm glad I'm glad I could uh, pull through. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man number 12, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Marquez and Justin Ponsor. Uh, ben, is what run, what happens in a month? Oh, my God, man. Uh, I haven't known how to break this to you, but uh, time runs out. <gasps> time yeah. runs out, and now it's spread over to Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man. I know. It's in the Ultimate Universe now. It's like a fungus. Oh, no. Or a fungi. Fungi. Uh, so Miles has been captured by Hydra, and the only person who can save him is his former roommate, Judge. Oh, God, Judge, the star of the stealth star of this issue. Talk about a fun guy. Am I right? Oh, my God. Oof. How do you, how do you drop him? Make it look like an accident. You know what? Don't even make it look like an accident. <laughs> anyway, uh, Miles is being held captive by Hydra and Dr. Doom because they are in cahoots. Yep. Uh, which means terrible things. Uh, but luckily, Judge is in the right place at the right time and links up with Cloak and Dagger, uh, who are like, what? I'm going to kick your ass, but wait, you're a good guy. Let's all go fight evil. Yeah, uh, Judge essentially becomes a member of the Ultimates in this great. issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while that's happening, Miles just gets a new power. He's got some crazy bioelectrical explodo blast power. Yeah. Uh, Interesting we... time to get this new power. I know, right there, right now. Oof, who knew? Um, while that's going on, we get uh, a great look back into the precinct that we've seen a couple issues before. Uh, and you get cameos by David Marquez, Brian yeah. Michael Bendis, and Jonathan Hickman. But this is also the long, probably one of, probably one of the longest running jokes in the history of comics uh, is Brian Bendis having people run through this specific police district in costume yelling about the end of the world. Yep. He's literally had this going back to like the teens of the first Ultimate Spider Man back in two thousand one. Amazing. 
So good on him getting one last one in there before we uh, before we destroy the ultimate universe. Yeah. So the Finally. the ultimates gather. They uh, have to go figure out where Miles is and then save him. And then the the best part is they get to him and boom, you you come to as Miles is punching out Doctor Doom. Yeah. Which is terrific. It's a great moment for him. Yeah. There's lots of great little moments right here. Character stuff. I wouldn't say uh, tons of, you know, finality and resolutions, but great moments that feel good for, you know, if you've been reading the book and you love these characters. And then right at the end, this big two-page spread, which is just heart-pounding. Yeah. And this is the final issue of the series. So there is some finality to it. Indeed. Yeah. Um, all right, on to Shield number four, written by Mark Wade, art by Chris Sprouse. Nice, Patrick. How excited are you for Chris Sprouse art? No, uh, that's it's my favorite type of art. <laughs> Do you know who Chris Sprouse is? Yeah, uh, he's the uh, he was the guy who was in the suit for Darth Vader. I I really hope Chris Cross doesn't somehow listen to this podcast. Yeah. Anyway. After all these years, we finally got him to do Marvel work, and then what happened? Oh, you know, that guy on the podcast alienated him. Yeah. No, Chris Cross did um, uh, uh, Tom Strong mm-hmm. uh, books, which just gorgeous. Really, he's an amazing storyteller, and it's uh, incredible to have him on here. Um, and he will be drawing Thor's coming up in a couple months. What? That's right. Uh, so we've got, you know, the the idea behind the S.H.I.E.L.D. book is Coulson needs superheroes to take on certain missions. And he's basically got, uh, I would call it a Rolodex, but people don't use Rolodexes anymore. Whatever today's equivalent. Of, well, I mean, my Rolodex is a digital file I keep on my computer that I named Rolodex. So <laughs> maybe it is still that. It's Yeah, for me, it's my contacts and my you know my email my friend. right but i would still call that my rolodex sure anyway he needs uh he has a very special mission and he needs help from a member of the fantastic four miss sue storm and uh she, he needs stealth he needs fine tuning he needs a very powerful person uh so there's a whole bunch of reasons why he needs her so he brings her in uh she's going to do what she's got to do but it's like a crazy series of events that happens here uh it's this guy who's I don't, I don't want to spoil too much about the story, but we get um, a return of a classic Fantastic Four villain. Uh, great big moment for Phil Coulson. Uh, really just messed up a uh, bit of interaction between Coulson and Sue Storm uh, with that ends with one of them saying, your job sucks sometimes. And yeah. the other one saying, yes, it does. Not only that, but honestly, this is like Coulson, we're so used to being so uber prepared, especially in this series so far. Like he's got everything all figured out. And the situation he ends up putting Sue Storm in, it was the first time I was like, oh, he doesn't know everything. Like, that was a horrible, horrible situation he put her in that, by all accounts, should not have worked out. <laughs> um, but but for the grace of whoever's helping him out here, it, it just – it was it was a different side to the character, which is cool because, obviously, you know, we want to see different layers to the character. And through that, I get to see, like, all right, Coulson is uh, pretty fallible. Yeah. Yes, he is. And you guys who read will be delighted to see photos of actual Marvel editors and uh, TV personalities in these very pages. What a treat to get to see photos of John Moisen. Um, well, worth, well worth your money. Two photos of John Moisen. Yeah, I, I was remiss to mention that in Deadpool number 250, there were multiple pictures of Jordan White interacting with uh, TV personalities. 
So for those of you who uh, feel like you do not get enough pictures of your favorite Marvel editors, at the very least, we have pictures of John Moisen and Jordan White until we can, can get uh, the good ones to pose for something. Can, can I uh, contribute something that's actually relevant to what would, you guys are talking about? I would love to hear that. Uh, I, I recently spoke to Ian DeCasticker. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I don't know. It would have been much more convincing if you hadn't put the question mark at the end. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, yeah, I, I spoke to him, Agent Fitz, if you will, and he said he absolutely loves his comic book self. He loves that go. when when he sees uh, that that's he loves uh, reading the Shield comic book, especially to see how people interpret how he looks in the pages of those comic books. Very cool. So if Chris Prouse is is listening, Chris Prouse, um, oh yes, God. exactly. I'm sure I'm sure he did a great job. Yeah, don't worry, he's never working for us again after this, so you don't oh, need to remember his name. I'm glad um, you got that memo to get, to get him out of here. Oh no, I'm sure you won't need to know his name wherever you end up next. I already <laughs> forgot. The very near future. Anyways, Spider-Man 2099, number 11, the penultimate installment of this particular volume, written by Peter David and Will Sliney on the art, with colors by Antonio Fabella. A much-needed catch-your-breath issue, because if you think about it, uh, since Miguel O'Hara's initial arc, he has been going across the multiverse and Spider-Verse, then he was in the future in 2099, then he had to tangle with the maestro, so we haven't checked in on his life back here in the present in quite some time. Uh, specifically, we haven't gotten what's up with his his neighbor Tempest, who we knew was having a battle with cancer. Uh, we see how he deals with that problem in this issue, and it's a it's a way most people don't have the opportunity to deal with it. Uh, it raises some questions, his actions, and for a while I didn't think they were going to have consequences, but oh boy, do they. Uh, the other stuff going on in this issue is that he learns that Alchemax, the company he works for, both in the future and the present that he's trying to steer on the right course here are going to be building a prison. And if you're reading Amazing Spider-Man, you know this. They are competing with Parker Industries to build this new super prison. And now Miguel is armed with the knowledge that something that has happened in the present involving Alchemax changes the 2099 he knows to the one we saw ruled by Maestro. And he figures since he is the only new element introduced here, it must be something he came up with. And the prison was something he came up with. So he drops uh, drops by our Spider-Man, Peter Parker, to basically say, like, look, you need to make sure this prison doesn't get made. And then he swings back to see how Tempest is doing, and that is when we roll straight into the consequences I was talking about, which are going to roll into a very intense, very freaky final issue of Spider-Man 2099 next month. Yeah. Um, all right, we've got Spider-Woman number six. This is the second issue of The New Direction, I believe. Yes, sir. Uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Pencils and colors by Javier Rodriguez. Inks by Alvaro Lopez. Uh, and Jessica Drew is taking a case. She's trying to figure out why the supervillains, some really Z-level supervillains, are uh, doing some... They don't appreciate being called that, by the way. I know, but I mean, come on. Let's let's be real here. Senor uh, Suerte is zealous to you. I 
have never heard of Senor Suerte. I've never Suerte. heard of Senor Suerte. I'm, You've I've, never heard of Senor I've never heard. I don't know if he's an exist. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to see if this is first appearance or not. If you've never heard of him, then I'm not. I don't feel you don't bad have a prayer. at all. No. Um, I don't feel bad about calling him Z-List. Uh, but you've got Porcupine up in here. You've got Big Wheel. You've got uh, a whole bunch of others who, Ben, I'm sure you can name better than I towards the end there. But uh, Jessica is. Oh, we got the king. I mean, I. I figured you could tell the kangaroo is the kangaroo. Yes, but right. Yeah. We also hold have, up now. I had these to... are not. These are not new. These are not new. This is not a new character. He's a heroes for hire villain <laughs> from the seventies. This is not a surprise. <laughs> he looks like a hero for hire. Yeah. Heroes for hire villain. So there you go. Yeah, uh, and according to the cover for the next issue, we've got Goldbug, Mauler, and Cyclone as well. Uh, all the hits. Yes. Uh, but Jessica Drew is trying to solve this case, figure out why these villains are um, doing all these tasks, doing like they're doing weird robberies. Like Big Wheel is stealing two alpaca. Which is cool. Which, you know, in Queens, because for some reason there are a couple alpacas in Queens. Um, sure. And Javier draws some really cute alpacas. Um, I like having. Ben Yurick here as almost like Spider-Woman's sidekick. Yeah. Uh, which is terrific. It makes for a really fun dynamic. But uh, a different kind of dynamic, as you're saying, because he, in some cases, it feels like he knows a lot more than she does. Yes, 100%. Um, all this goes on, and, like, there's, by the end, uh, there's a little switcheroo, dippity-doo, and uh, we get to see uh, Porcupine in a most unflattering way <laughs> i love it this is such a great series and i tweeted this to both uh nick spencer and dennis hopeless that i yeah. want a grizzly porcupine team-up buddy book well i was just gonna say there's a similar tone between spider-woman and ant-man that i like which is cool because those are very very different characters but uh, there's a similar sensibility and i am seconding i would love to see those those two that you just mentioned do something together yeah Rounding out the week, we've got Storm Number 10, written by Greg Pak, art by Victor Ibanez. Great to see him back, with little help from Al Berrio Nuevo and Neil Edwards. Storm returns from the various adventures she's been having back to the Jean Grey School. Just as she does, uh, they discover an old friend. Uh, if you remember a few issues back when she was fighting around Utopia, there was something going on in Utopia, and we weren't sure what it was. It turns out to be Kenji from the old Generation Hope series, which honestly was the last character I was ever expecting to see. Yeah. His codename was Zero, and he was a cool character. He was freaky. Um, he was a, you know, Kieran Gillen, uh, Matt Fraction creation, and he was just this weird artist, nihilist, anarchist. Um, and he comes back here, and it seems like his, his memory has been wiped because when he went out and seemingly died, he was... Very much uh, a bad dude. He was someone who was trying to kill the X-Men. Comes back here, Storm's a little bit conflicted because he doesn't seem to remember who, she, who he is. He's not, she's not sure, you know, do we treat him as the psycho he was or do we try to give him a second chance? Then people close to Storm uh, who have been introduced throughout the series, uh, in Kenya, in New Mexico, in, or rather, Mexico, not new, uh, Morlock Tunnels, they're all getting targeted and seemingly the school is as well. And... It seems like Kenji's behind it, but again, she's not sure. She's like, ah, does he, does he realize he's doing this? There's a lot of conflicts brought up, um, and it's perfect for a character like Storm to deal with because Storm has always kind of 
wavered between being like, you know, this mother figure to the kids, but also being this warrior goddess. So totally out of left field challenge for her. Kudos to Greg Pak for going deep and, you know, thinking of a character who we could really get some use out of and who's really going to present an interesting challenge for Storm. And that's it. That's so the end of that chapter. That's the end of the road. So what do you got for uh, for Tomb of the Week there, Ryan? Oh, gosh. Uh, Darth Vader was so good. Ant-Man and Spider-Woman are so I got to go with Deadpool, though. I got to go with Deadpool. I can't. I can't. Uh, it's unanimous. No question. Deadpool was something special. It was an incredible ending to a great run. So a lot of good books this week. I think we went over them uh, very well. And uh, hopefully you guys will check a lot of them out. But, yeah, Deadpool, shining star this week. Patrick, of the books that we've talked about, what are you most excited to read? I think they're all winners. I think it's unfair to denote just one as a wow. best. So they're all A+, plus, two yeah. thumbs up in my book. This guy trying to recover from his Chris Sprouse uh, debacle. Dr. Politician over here. Yeah, seriously. I prefer I Captain you in L- Politician. You were in L.A., not D.C. Fine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right, let's talk about collections on sale this week. We've got Avengers by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 1, in hardcover. Avengers Ultron Unbound. Avengers Vibranium Collection hardcover, which I'm sure is another one of those giant, crazy, will crush you if you try to sleep while reading it books. You best believe it. Captain America Volume 4, Iron Nail. Captain Marvel Volume 2, Stay Fly. Great title. Kudos. Uh, Miracle Man Volume 3, Olympus, in hardcover. New Avengers by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 1, hardcover, which I understand is great when read with Avengers by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 1, hardcover. (laughs) And finally, Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, Volume 1, Empire, uh, not related to the hit Fox show Empire, which I've been been enjoying. Let's not, not, you know, give it away. That's fair. I'm a few episodes behind. Let me me catch up and see if it ends up tying into Star Wars. Um, And as far as digital comics on the app, everything we mentioned is on the app this week. Very good. Also on sale, we've got Avengers West Coast, 89 through 91, Skull the Slayer, 1 through 8. Yeah. And the 1994 Vision limited series, full uh, four issues of that one. I I remember that one. What's that one? Uh, he's like a private eye. It's weird. It was during the, uh, Harris Epting run. I don't know if it was even in its own book. Do you remember when they used to do those, like, uh, Avengers became like this, uh, like a Marvel flip book for a bit? Nope. Yeah, it had Giant Man, and then I think it also had this Vision series. So it wasn't like its own limited series. It was just like half of an Avengers book. Cool. Yep. Uh, collections on sale this week on the app. We've got uh, Avengers the Vibranium Collection, Avengers Ultron Unbound, Captain Marvel Volume 2 Stay Fly, Iron Man 2 Public Identity, Marvel's Iron Man 3 Prelude, Marvel's The Avengers Prelude Furry's, Fury's Big Week. Fury's Big Week. Yeah. There it is. Marvel's The Avengers Black Widow Strikes. So Sounds a whole like bunch we got of... A, yeah, we got a movie coming up. Yeah. Uh, Siege, The Avengers, The Initiative. Skull the Slayer, and Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The Empire, Volume 1. Uh, so it's either The Empire or Empire. We're not sure. Yeah, sure. Regardless, buy it. Yeah. Uh, and because we recorded so late last week and early this week, we have no new freshly digitized comics for you. Aww. It's the same ones from last week. Aw. Sorry, gang. Yeah. Uh, ben, do we have any news, even though it's so early in the week? 
Believe it or not, we do. We have some news. Um, one thing we want to bring attention to is we launched a new feature last week on Marvel.com, uh, Hero of the Month, where every month we're going to be nominating six Marvel heroes from across comics, TV, movies, games, all the cool stuff they're doing. We're going to give you a little summary of what they're up to this month, and we're going to give you a month to decide who is the Hero of the Month. Uh, for this first month, we're just we're just doing it, and uh, we're going to see how it goes. But in the future, we've talked about, you know, what can we do with this? Can we give uh, that hero some sort of cool spotlight? Um, so it's in its nascent stages. Let us know what you think of it. I checked the poll this morning. Um, there's already been 4,000 votes cast since we put it up on Friday. Uh, it is a neck-and-neck neck race between Hawkeye and Daredevil right now. So if you're a fan of any of those characters or the other four characters, which are Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales. Get in there and vote. Um, and I'm sure we'll be promoting it via social as well. Yeah. Over on the video game side of things, Mighty Heroes con uh, continues to chug along. Uh, Spider-Man was released today, so you can play as Spider-Man now. And as one event is wrapping up, that being the Mission of Mercy event, which is the first Infinity event featuring Ex Nihilo, uh, the next Infinity event launches this week, and that will feature Black Panther as well as Starbrand. And it's adapted directly from the Infinity Comics event. Over in Contest of Champions, Carol Danvers got her classic Miss Marvel costume, which also comes with new abilities, and uh, some interesting stuff going on in Contest of Champions that you need to watch to find out. Dun-dun-dun! Um, I'm going to Dubai. That's my news. That's big news. Yep. So if you're going to be at the Mid Middle East Film and Comic Convention, yeah. find me. Say hello. I saw someone tweeting about going there this morning. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't. I think you. that was me. It was not you either. Uh, I know Charles Soul is going. I think it was him either. I think Mahmoud Asrar might be going. Definitely wasn't Mahmoud Asrar. And uh, there's another artist we follow. I'm not sure who it is. At least one other person I follow on either Twitter or Facebook is going. Well, good. I want more so, friends. So you know, there you go. Yeah, it could run the gamut. Totally. Uh, Patrick, do you have any news you want to share, or just keep moving on? Uh, I think I've delayed you guys enough that uh, I'll let you guys keep moving on. All right. Well, you could join us now for the yeah. for the questions and comments. This is the the whiz bang section. Well, you know what? First, let's toss it back over to Astrami and you yeah. in a couple of days. I guess that's gonna be that's gonna be so weird, Pat Patrick. You need to throw to yourself. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, guys, I hope uh, you this week in Marvelites currently listening are ready for the most action-packed uh, five-minute section of this whole podcast, known as the Strami and the Wolfman Show. Hello there, this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strum, joined by Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh for another thrilling installment of the Strummy and the Wolfman Show, starring the Wolfman Strummy. Another yep. another what installment? Thrilling installment. What I say? Right. Yeah, I think you just said it real quick, so it sounded like thringing. Thring that, um, that's not a Coming thing. at you with another thringing installment of the Strummy and the Wolfman show. And of course, you just heard from Wolfman. I'm pretty sure he threw to us right before this. He did. Yeah, he kind of threw. I think he, he threw directly to you, disappointing Ryan and Ben, because they thought I would throw it to myself. <laughs> anyway, this week, we're going to kick things off with TV, because this is the week that Marvel's Daredevil, the full 13-episode first season, 
is available streaming only on Netflix as of 12.01 a.m. Pacific time, Friday, April 10th. But technically, you're right. That is Friday. Yes, that, that is technically, yes. Uh, anyway, so if you're listening to this Friday or listening to this Thursday when we post, you are just a few short hours away from getting to see the series for yourself. If you're listening to it after Thursday, um, I don't know why you're listening to this when you should be watching 13 Hours of Daredevil. Uh, of course, I am super excited for this. It seems like everyone is super excited for this. I've been seeing the reviews for this roll in, and the reaction has been astounding. And you know who's not excited? People who like bad television. They are not excited. That's true. That's true. People who like bad television are not excited. If you're like, if you actively seek out bad television you're disappointed and and you will only watch bad television you're out of luck like like television that like you do not like if you're a masochist and you are like no i don't want to watch things i enjoy i don't want to watch things that cause my soul pain which to be fair there might be some masochists who regularly download this to listen to you and i yeah that's true so let's so. Not, if there was a venn diagram of masochists <laughs> and people who listen to this there might be a little overlap <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, uh, yes, of course, it's all on Netflix, 12.01 a.m. Pacific time this Friday, tomorrow, or the now, depending on when you're listening to this. Check it all out. This week, we showed you off some uh, new Daredevil, Marvel's Daredevil TV spots, um, and we, we have some more cool stuff coming at you, but uh, we're still just, uh, I want to I promise anything just yet. I, th I think what's so cool is that with other TV shows that we talk about, we have to say, tune in on this specific date, tune in on this specific time, because that's the time it's gonna air, and if you miss it, you're gonna have to find your own way to catch up. This, it's all out there, all at 12.01. You can, you can watch the last episode first, if you want. Which I actually wouldn't recommend. No, not at all. Um, I don't think the last episode would make any sense. No, absolutely not. The first. But I do like that anytime you are listening to this, after April 10th at 12.01 uh, a.m., you can watch the entire series. Yes. So that's pretty much all we got to say about that. Go watch it now. Of course, in the other corner of our live-action television universe, we've got an all-new Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next Tuesday at 9, 8 central on ABC. This is the... Uh, episode a lot of fans have been waiting for because we get to learn the backstory of just why Agent May has been nicknamed the Calvary and what uh, what happened in Bahrain. So, longtime fans definitely won't want to miss that episode. We, of course, will have some previews, some photos, the, us the usual uh, kit and caboodle, as they say. Uh, I know I'm, I'm fairly certain that's just like a thing that only I say. But... In addition, after this week's episode, there was a surprise return. If you don't want spoilers, if you're listening to this and you don't want to know who made a surprise return, uh, just maybe fast forward by like 60 seconds. But uh, this week's episode featured the return of J. August Richards as uh, Mike Peterson, a.k.a. Deathlock. We ran an interview with Jay. He was the guest on this week's This Week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, which you can now uh, download and listen to. And we spoke with 
the series costume designer Anne Foley about the evolution of Deathlock's look. So you can check all that out on marvel.com or our, some of you on our YouTube, youtube.com slash marvel right now. Uh, Patrick, anything you want to mention quick about animation? I know you're talking to Steve very shortly. Yep, going to throw it to Steve. <laughs> I'm going to throw it to myself in a few moments. But yes, we have a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble airing this Sunday on Disney XD at 8.30 a.m. And it kicks off a multi-episode arc uh, around the theme of Avengers Disassembled. Not only the theme of Avengers Disassembled, but also Ultron makes an appearance. Yes, I'm very excited for that. And Who course, is this Ultron character? I don't know. I have never heard of this Ultron fellow. Speaking of this Ultron fellow we have never heard of, what have we got going on in Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron world right now, Patrick? Well, earlier this week, we released a new featurette that talked about or talked to the cast and crew about what it was like bringing together so many awesome actors, like bringing director Joss Whedon, bringing Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Hemsworth, all those guys, and what that's like on set. Obviously, uh, it looked like they had a lot of fun, despite how distracting it can sometimes be <laughs> to Joss Whedon when he's trying to wrangle eight, nine, ten different huge personalities that all love working together in a huge set piece involving action and CGI and humans and stunts. But that's the fun of it, is that, like, you know, when you get that many people together and that, that seem to genuinely like one another, it's, uh, it's like, it's the good kind of distraction. See, I'll take your word for it, because I don't know what it's like to be brought together with people who enjoy my company. Oh, so. well, there is that. So I just, just get to watch this video fondly, which you can also do on marvel.com right now we also posted a featurette about how the whole world is up for domination thanks to ultron ultron is trying to destroy the entire world so that means to film marvel's avengers age of ultron the cast and crew traveled to all different parts of the world from New York City to South Africa to London, all over the world, they're traveling. Uh, so there's another featurette just about how vast this this project is. Uh, another thing to keep your eyes out for, which should be posting later this afternoon, if you're listening to this podcast the day that it comes out, I won't give away too much, but I will say Gillette has come up with some really interesting ideas for Avengers-inspired razors. I don't want to give away too much because I think it's a lot of fun to, to see what I'm talking about. So tune in to Marvel.com today to see what Gillette has come up with. And if you live in the Los Angeles area or you're willing to travel to the Los Angeles area, uh, Nerdist Injury... Injuries? Nerdist Injuries? No, I don't think that's their name. Oh, that's right. Geekist Injuries. You don't think that's... No, I, I think you're thinking of Nerdist Industries. Nerdist Industries along with Kraft and Rice Krispie Treats. Are those the official brand names? I don't know. You're the one that posted the story. That's right. Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its and... Uh, 
Rice Krispie treats are, are And because anyone is watching or listening to this, uh, yes, indeed, I am watching Patrick, and he does have a shovel in his hand, and he is just digging himself in his own grave. Point is, Nerdist Industries is bringing you the ultimate Marvel movie marathon at the El Capitan Theater starting April 20th, Monday at 6 p.m. Oh, yes. All 11 Marvel Studios films are being shown back, back to back to back. I'm not going to go through how many backs there are. And it is culminating with a screening of Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron. So for those people who stick through all 11 movies, you'll be rewarded with seeing Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron uh, about a week and a half. Before yeah, close to two weeks, yeah. Before anyone else gets to see it. Also, if you attend, you're gonna get a whole bunch of like limited edition things. There's gonna be snacks. There's gonna be tons of prizes. You might win a chance to attend the premiere of Ant Man, Marvel's Ant Man, later this summer. And the most special guests that will be in attendance will be someone who I'm looking at and is hoping I jump on the microphone. What, me? Yeah! Yes, indeed. Indeed. Ryan Panagos and I will be there. Agent M and Strami themselves will be there. They'll be uh, wearing shirts that say, I'm a stupid... Within, they'll both be wearing shirts that say "I'm with stupid" no, with no. arrows pointing no, at one no. another. Ryan will be wearing the shirt that says "I'm with stupid" with the arrow pointing at me, and I will be wearing the shirt that just says "Yeah, that's me." And they'll be signing autographs. They'll be taking pictures with fans. I will not be signing. They'll Who be my autograph. They'll be they'll be selling bootleg Marvel movies. That is not true. Eh, some of no, it's true. No, none of this is true. Some of, well, I guess... I can sh- see someone maybe wanting Ryan's autograph, but mine, I mean... I guess these fans will just have to find out by uh, trying to come see this this Ultimate Marvel Movie Marathon on April 20th. Oy. All right. that all you got, Patrick? I can go on. Oh, no. Like. no. Please don't, please don't. Just wrapping things up, uh, some other big news that I want to touch on was this week we announced that uh, directors Joe and Anthony Rousseau, who you guys are well familiar with as the directors of Captain America the Winter Soldier, and they are currently preparing to shoot uh, Captain America Civil War, which will be in theaters next May, May in 2016. Uh, They will then, not only are they kicking off Phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Captain America: Civil War. They are also bringing Phase three to a close with the two-part Avengers: Infinity War event. That's right. They will be directing uh, the third and fourth films in the Avengers franchise: Avengers: Infinity War Part One and Avengers: Infinity War Part Two. I'm super stoked for this. I love those guys. I love what they do. I can't wait to see what they do with an Avengers movie and or I guess with two Avengers movies um, and yeah that pretty much uh, covers everything well and weren't you going to run down the full slate of release dates for phase three? Oh god don't make me do that <laughs> again I can but nobody wants to listen to me no. do that that's on the internet uh, it's on the internet and there are ten of them and it takes me a while um, anyway That covers everything we've got for you guys. Stick around for more of the Wolfman talking to Steve Wacker. And 
without further ado, I thank you for listening. Wish you a splendiferous weekend, splendiferous er week. And as always, remember, drink your Ovaltine. Good afternoon this week in Marvel. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. And I am being sung in by... Stephen Wacker, Vice President of Current Animation at Marvel Animation Studios. Has anyone ever told you you have a lovely singing voice? I have told myself that, yes. Okay, because I wasn't going to say it. I was just curious if anyone encouraged you. And Steve, you brought a guest for I us. I have. Out of my bag of tricks, I brought uh, Mr. Court Lane, who is our Vice President of uh, Development... And I don't know what, what's your whole title? <laughs> Animation Development and Partnerships, which is just a big bag of other stuff, like live yeah. events and theme parks and, and co-productions with Lego and, and all that kind of when stuff. When did you start here at the stu studio? You've been around for Eight years. a while. Eight years. Wow. Yeah. So you've worked on stuff like Superhero Squad. Yes. Come back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, he's interviewing me. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Uh, so your fingerprints have been on a lot of uh, Marvel animation, and we work together on uh, the new shows, uh, yes. stuff like Guardians. And yes. So for those listening in podcast land, Stephen is sort of my work wife, and um, <laughs> we're currently separated. <laughs> uh, now, you are uh, freshly tanned from a trip to <laughs> Seattle. I'm freshly tanned all the time, and you know that. <laughs> yes, I was at Emerald City Comic Con. And? It was not sunny. <laughs> well, it's you were Seattle. inside, I assume. Um, we announced yeah. some big stuff there, though. You took uh, you took uh, a lot with with you. Yes, yes, we had uh, a lot of stuff about Shield Academy, an arc coming up in Ultimate Spider-Man season three that'll start airing this spring, and um, so we revealed that Mark Hamill has been cast as Arnim Zola, who's the big bad for that arc, and that Robert Patrick is playing Robert Frank the Wizard um, as a member of the faculty of S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy, and then we showed a lineup of all the young superheroes in S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy, which includes everybody from, well, Cloak and Dagger, um, Iron Fist, Kazar. White Tiger, Kazar, Zabu, Triton. Luke Cage, Triton, yeah, that's a, that was a surprise for the audience, the Rhino, um, yeah, it's quite a lineup. Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's not on the no. team. Uh, um, cool. And then you, I heard you accidentally hit a button. Yes, yes. Did not mean to show two upcoming gorgeous animated shorts for Guardians of the Galaxy. So the, that audience got a special sneak peek. Yes, they absolutely taste. freaked out. They were screaming. Well, I showed them one, and I'm like, well, would you like to see another? And they screamed a lot, and so then I showed them the second so one. So we'll have more news about uh, that stuff com coming yes. up soon. So it was a pretty uh, big convention for us. So you're saying that there's news about Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors. You showed some footage of uh, the upcoming Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I was curious, do you have anything to say about what could possibly be coming up in Marvel's Avengers Assemble? Yes, <laughs> we actually have this huge Marvel, uh, I'm sorry, Avengers Disassembled arc. And so the, um, I actually showed episode 215, which is airing in a couple weeks, and um, which is a, a key yeah, episode in the People paid 80 bucks to come to a convention and uh, watch TV with Court. Yes, they did, actually. <laughs> uh, so what was very cool there Then is they watched Scandal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch Scandal. <laughs> Orange is the New Black. Actually, that would have been hilarious. Uh, so uh, 
I showed that episode. They got to see the Avengers break up. It, it, there's a big battle with Ultron. It's a very exciting arc. There are huge consequences for the team. They're absolutely torn apart by the storyline. Um, some aligned with Cap, some with Iron Man. Um, and I know that we're going to talk a little bit well, about... Well, Patrick, watch me, yes. watch me pull this all together. Yes. Uh, that uh, episode he's talking about is part of an arc that starts this very weekend. This Sunday morning, come back from whatever you do on early Sunday morning, reading the paper, going to church, taking your jog, sit down with some cereal, and watch episode 214 uh, called Cracking the System by uh, Danny Wolf uh, that kicks off the Avengers Disassembled arc with an ending that I think is going to leave our audience uh, bewildered and amazed. The, the ending being the credits? Is that what you... <laughs> right before the credits. Oh, right before the there's credits. There's a cliffhanger. We're, this is really the start of us trying to do some longer arcs on the show. Um, uh, we've packaged this as a, as a five-part arc. It's a big one that changes the team. It changes the dynamic of the team. It changes the composition of the team, too. Uh, really trying to make some stories uh, that make an imp impact. Yeah. Um, and this episode definitely ends on a cliffhanger. Uh, which is sort of new ground for us. And uh, a few weeks ago, we wrapped up Spider-Verse, that huge multi-part event in Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, and that was kind of influenced by the comics. So is this upcoming Ultron arc another... Uh, is it just that it's multi-episode event, or is does this have any sort of root in the comics? Uh, it has a root in the comics. It goes, you know, all goes back to Bendis's, uh in uh, Olivier's great disassembled run uh, back in the day. But the elements that make it up are different. We've changed it uh, so it fits into our story a little more. We've added a big Ultron component, which I think just by happenstance happens to come out in the same window of time where we're talking about the move movie. They call but that synergy. <laughs> we uh, um, definitely wanted to build Ultron up and pulling him into that story. So it's not a direct, like with Spider-Verse, it's not a direct adaptation, but... Um, Certainly, we take a lot of spirit from the uh, comics. It's really driven by the, the character dynamics of the, the of the characters in the series, and that is that they're very different personalities, and they actually have really different methods and, and philosophical differences about how to be a hero and how to go about the business of being an Avenger. And that's what you know. The stress of dealing with Ultron begins to tear them apart. It's almost like that stress causes a crack. In the system, some no. could say no? no. No, not really. Oh, okay, I don't know. I was just, <laughs> I was just throwing it out there. Who you knows? know, we, that that title's meant very literally. There's oh, a crack. Okay. That's weird. I didn't know a system. No, no, nothing is meant metaphorical. Fair enough. Fair enough. And again, this whole uh, this whole arc. Speaking of cracks in the system, what's going on with Ryan and this podcast? I don't know. He's in Dubai right now. Ooh, not going well. How's Ben Morris? Ooh, he's terrible. Yeah, he is even worse than normal. There's a crack in the system. Yeah, that's uh, they are just. I don't even want to get into it. Different things. That'll Different be. Things. We'll have to get into that in the Marvel After Dark podcast, which I'm hoping to. Fingers crossed, we can get started. Uh, however, back to Marvel's Avengers Assemble. This whole arc kicks off this Sunday. This Sunday, at on Disney XD, eight thirty a.m. Uh, yeah, Disney XD. Court, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with us. Uh, Court was hoping to leave with a song. Oh, okay, here we go. Sung by Steve. 
Ooh, nice I'm one. I'm court laid. <laughs> Deflection. Um, and again. That really? Oh my God. You were so good up into this moment. Those are your song lyrics. Yeah, I'm court laid. Wow. It's from the song I'm court laid. <laughs> I'm development people. He just keeps things going. All right, Patrick, come on. Well, uh, get control of this thing. But I should also mention, for those of you who are all tuning in to listen to uh, this podcast about animation, if you're liking the Avengers, you can also check out this movie movie thing that they I'm have not coming out. With what you're talking about, I don't know. It's got robots in it. I think it's coming to theaters May first. Marvel's Avengers. Wow, I don't know anything. Age of Ultron. Anything about this? I'll get you. I'll get you a download all link. Right. Don't worry. I've got a few of those. He uh, wasn't invited to the premiere on <laughs> Monday. Don't talk. What about are you guys it talking about? Oh, uh, anyway, until next time, make sure you cartoon in to Marvel's Avengers Assemble. And we're back. Wow, oh, that was hilarious. That was, that was awesome. I've never heard that part before, and it is great. Right? Wow. How, how do you do it? And you also should have come back from break saying, nice job, Patrick. You could have done double throws to yourself. We'll never have this opportunity again. What a waste. <laughs> we'll never, ever have this opportunity again. No. Once well, in most a lifetime likely, opportunity. We we just uh, we just closed with uh, Steve Wacker. Steve Wacker probably just took us out on that last segment. What a wasted opportunity! Because you're definitely never coming on this section again after that uh, that Chris Sprouse bobble. <laughs> but uh, okay, well, I'm du- duly noted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's dive right into questions and comments. Uh, first up is Agent Twim. He says, "I know I'm a little late, but Death's Head in Iron Man is so cool." That's, that's awesome. Yes. And then he asks, has Death's Head always been 30 feet tall? Is Death, Death's Head uh, in Secret Origin of Stark the same time-traveling Death's Head that Death's Head 2 killed? I don't think he is always 30 feet tall. I know he has been before, though. That wasn't the first time he has been. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you can alter that. And also, that is the time-traveling Death's Head that Death's Head 2 killed. Yeah. I, I don't, Death's yeah. Head's confusing. He is. I mean, he's... He's been in books with Doctor Who, so... There you go. You know, That's all you to say. Put those pieces together. Oh, this is my favorite tweet in ages from Bo Williams. Uh, listening to This Week in Marvel, did they just say they didn't know what happened to Jim Lee? These are senior editors. Hashtag facepalm. I laughed out loud when I read that the other day because I saw it come through. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I was talking to our friend Ricky Purden, who just started here recently, about uh, that we that we said that on the podcast last week, and he had a similar reaction. Yeah, just kidding. He got it. <laughs> I mean, come on, you guys. We also had uh, a conversation last week with Alex Lopez, our beloved intern. Um, we were talking about, as you constantly mentioned, Bone Town on the. Uh, here on the podcast, Bone Zone, the Bone Zone. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? No books went to the Bone Zone. This no week. books went to the Bone Zone this week. But Alex said to us, to Blake and I, he goes, "Man, I wish I could live in the Bone Zone." <laughs> <laughs> and we, and we saw, tried to tell, we're like, "Dude, that's not healthy. You can't live there. Like you visit, but it's not good for you. You can have and a prolonged he, stay." Yeah. Is this what you guys talk about This is what we talk week? about, Patrick. Welcome. Yeah. This is why we are sometimes the number 13 podcast on uh, iTunes. And um, now, it, now I get it. Yep. Yeah. Now I understand why. And then Ricky came by, and we said to Ricky, hey, can you explain to this kid um, 
you can't live in the bone zone. He goes, oh, no. He goes, you know, you just go to the bone zone sometimes. Sometimes you just back into the bone zone. And it was the greatest. And that's why I'm so glad Ricky Purden is now at Marvel. Yes, totally, totally. And then Flo, uh, Flo walked by, and we all were really embarrassed. As well you should be. It was the perfect timing. Yes. Um, all right, more questions and comments. We've got Kate Bangert says, so I'm brand new to the Inhuman side of Marvel and thought Uncanny Inhumans would be a good start. Can someone give me the, the Coles notes? What's a Coles notes? What are Coles notes? Patrick? You probably uh, got anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, if you head over to Marvel.com, uh, <laughs> all the answers are for you there. Nice. Good cover. Uh, so Kate says, can someone give me the Coles notes on why Black Bolt and Medusa are on the outs? Well, Cade, uh, at the end of Infinity, Black Bolt made the unilateral decision that the best way he could safeguard the Inhumans and Adelan and everything else was to detonate a giant Terrigen bomb and then go missing. So while he did save his race, he also scattered them uh, and activated all these new Inhumans and then was in hiding. So basically Medusa had to, without asking for it and without having approved this decision, had to take control, regather her people, rule the Inhumans, um, settle them in a new place, go and save all these new Inhumans. And then Black Bolt just kind of like showed up as if nothing had happened. And she was like, what? He like, oh, no, he didn't. He brought home, like, you know, some chicken. He was like, hey, yep. girl, hey let's girl. just hang out. Nothing's yep. changed, right? And she wasn't having that. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No bone zone for Black Bolt. True. Uh, Cade continues, says, if I'm going to take Mr. Knife seriously, he seriously needs a different name. Just saying. I'm going to say that's a reasonable point. Yeah, but, you know, I like it. Mr. Knife. It sounds... It's fine, but I've... I... <sighs> It's a cool name. I don't know that it necessarily fits the character. I, I feel like he would want a more regal name. But at the same time, if he's trying to stay below the radar, which I think he is, it's the perfect name. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Kate says, the Wolvie pool is simultaneously the greatest and most awkward thing I've ever seen. Mm. That's in reference to Wolverines that came out. We didn't get an issue of Wolverines this week. Oh, yeah, that's weird. That's very weird. Maybe it's over. What? No. That would be that would be odd. Yeah, that'd be quite a cliffhanger. Yes. Uh, Gunhild Skilled said, "Rereading the Everything Burns crossover. Not sure why I brought this pain upon myself. I am assuming that would be the uh, Leia stuff. Yeah, I would imagine all the Leia and Loki stuff that Leia happens and in Loki there. stuff, which is very hard. Sorry, Gunhild. Hopefully, you make it through. Yeah. Uh, HW View last week. Twim was Uncanny Humans number zero. A lot of Black Bolt that." And was that Gordon in Ryan Stegman's story? Uh, that's a reasonable question. I was wondering that as well. Gordon from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. looked mm. a lot like the character in the Ryan Stegman backup story. Mm. But I'm sure Marvel Studios would never trust Ryan Stegman uh, to write a character like that. So maybe not. Heavens, no. No. It's a disaster. Matt Link says, Spec Ops 25 was awesome. Just got Chase Stein and he is sick. Cannot wait to get the weapons. I am two tasks away from getting Chase, but I am so low on ISO that I hope I'm going to pull it off. Best of luck, Benjamin. It's been a hard one, man, because you can only use the runaways, and my runaways are not that leveled up. Mm. So, but, but it can be done. Patrick, how are your runaways? Um, well, my runaways are really healthy because they uh, ate a bunch of cherry bombs. <sighs> 
All the did hits. You get that? I did. did. Yeah, no, we, 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 we all got it. Tattoo. Yeah. Okay, good. Raven M. Fields says uh, to me and Joe Q and Marvel, I'm officially starting my campaign for Joel Kinnaman as Iron Fist. The campaign is on. I don't know who that is. I would, I could Google. I'll Google. You keep reading. Yeah. So uh, that's that's one vote in from Raven. Uh, Joel B- Kinnaman mm-hmm. uh, uh, is the male lead on The Killing. Okay. I think. No, no, no. Wait. He was the guy who played RoboCop in the reboot. Okay. So there you go. There you go. Uh, Ricky Williams says, Method Man is on the podcast. What? Hashtag Wu-Tang uh, emoji thumbs up. I want to know when Ricky Williams is going to acknowledge the fact that we're asking if he's Ricky Williams from the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Still hasn't. And he's, certainly he's heard it by now. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Ricky says, what? First Wolverine, now Deadpool is dying. Looks like it's a bad time to have a healing factor. Uh, it's very interesting if you read Deadpool this week because it was billed as the death of Deadpool and they did it in a very clever way. Yes. Notice that we didn't reference him dying at all because we didn't need to. Yeah. Also, Ricky Williams loves saying, what? What? Like, Five A's. Ref Gamlin. Question. On a grand scale, where do the less Celestials stand power-wise? Who is more powerful than them other than the Beyonders? Also, how do we submit corrections? Do we need to sign up to be some sort of contributor? Is there a simpler method? Uh, I don't know what he's talking about with the second one. Do you? I, I don't. I feel like there was... Uh, That's the tw- first part that we didn't get. Yeah. We didn't hashtag it. He might not have hashtagged yeah. it. And also... Um, uh, or or young Alex might have missed it. Yeah, that's possible. Um, as far as the Celestials power-wise, feel free to jump in here, but I always think of, you know, I always go back to Infinity Gauntlet when all the big cosmic beings gathered to try to take down Thanos, and they were there were a few Celestials in there. So to me, it was always, they're more powerful than just about everyone except the other people who were in that grouping because there were like three of them and only one of everyone else. So I I consider them below, obviously, like Eternity and the Living Tribunal and Galactus and uh, all those abstract personifications. But they're more powerful than, say, the Elders. Yes. Uh, So I found the tweet that we were missing. Got it. And Ref Gamlin says, this what-if issue is actually helping helping my understanding of the Beyonders slash Incursion situation. Oh, there we go. I assume that the Living Tribunal was unique to each universe. Oh, wait, no, that's not what this is at all. All right, well, still very valuable. No, yeah, here he goes. I got it. He had a lot of uh, multiple tweets. Okay. Rob says, if we find an error, whether it's content, grammar, or spelling, on the official Marvel.com universe pages, how mm. do we submit corrections? Do we need to sign up to be some kind of contributor, or is there a simpler method? Rob, that is uh, a terrific question. It's a million-dollar question. I would love to have you as a contributor on our universe section, uh, any Twim fans, uh, but... Right now, it's a little bit tricky, a little bit tough, and hopefully we'll have a better system to continue making that work. Because Let's call it a work in progress. Yes. But very much a work in progress. Yes. Uh, Ross Meyer asks, the last two universes left will be 616 and Ultimate. This will be the final incursion. So this means Spider-Gwen's universe will be destroyed. So how will Spider-Gwen series continue after Secret Wars? And I'll just say that's a great question. Keep reading, true believer. Yeah, exactly. You should say uh, it's a secret. Uh, 
<laughs> RP67. Will Stan Lee be writing Marvel's last issue before the reset? Saw how he started it. How will he end it? Man, that would have been a really cool idea. Yeah. Uh, only it's it's not happening. Well, I mean, we we technically have to go back to who to the guys who worked on Marvel's Marvel Comics number one. That's true. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, I don't know if Stan had a story. No, Stan didn't have a story in I that. I think he did. That's right. It would be cool to have someone from that, although I, I don't know how many of them are still around. Yeah, I believe they've passed. Yeah. Which, great. Cool idea, though. Thanks, RP67, for bringing it down. Uh, also says, The Rock would be perfect at playing Namor, hashtag Imperius Rex, and I agree. He'd be great. The Rock can play pretty much anyone, though. Yep. Yeah, so can. that's, you know, not really revelatory. Nope. All right. Wrapping it up, Scott McElroy says, 20 bazillion respect points to Method Man for not only being one of my favorite artists, but also for being a comics fan. Yeah, uh, and he's legit. Oh, my God. Uh, Blake is now best friends with Method Man. Yep, yep. They're hanging uh, out all the time, hitting the clubs. It's great. Like He'll like get calls or emails and share them with, with Meth, as, you know, <laughs> as he calls himself, which is great. Yep. Uh, it's terrific. Yeah, two best buddies. Just two, two peas in a pod. Yep. Uh, all right, Patrick. Hi, thanks man. for uh, jumping on and contributing. Yeah, thanks, I guess, Patrick. Yeah, I, I think I uh, adequately derailed you guys. Yeah, it was nice. To just, just spice things up a bit. Yeah, do you have anything you want to actually add to the show? Uh, thanks, thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> and uh, you guys did a great job. <laughs> wow. All right, so Ryan's off to the Middle East. Uh, and I guess... We'll hopefully, hopefully, we'll have a new podcast with him next week with with Sheik Ryan Panagos. Yeah, I'll be back for next week. Well, we'll see. Uh. They might no, not in a bad way. Maybe they they might like put you in charge over there. Hey, what are you gonna do? What I, are you gonna uh, do? I accept with honor. <laughs> All right. Well, wait till they offer it. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>